Howdy guys and welcome to episode 7 now, so how did I get here with me Sam Lex? I hope you're well, so I certainly am after this week's episode, absolute doozy and just left me feeling so inspired. I was joined by the incredible Catherine Machin and she is not only a wonderful human being, but she's a self-confessed Scotch lover, hardstyle DJ and oh yeah, she's one of Australia's highest crowdfunded artists of all time. Just a glance at her awe-inspiring paintings of the universe will send you into full existential contemplation, and her pieces now hang around the world in the homes and offices of prolific scientists, science communicators, and the chief officers of top Fortune 500 companies. We cover so much in this chat, from her childhood pressing the health key whilst playing video games with her brother, to her crazy escapades painting a colossal painting for SpaceX to get her brother a tour around the factory. She's got stories coming out of her ears and I was happy to listen. I hope there's something in there for you. And without further ado, I'm going to take us live to Bondi Beach Radio Studio where this week's episode was recorded. Good morning. Good afternoon. Hey, what are you laughing? This is serious. Why are you laughing at me? It sounds good, man. Honestly, well, those (laughs) sexy dulcet tones you've just heard there are from the cosmic intergalactic superstar artist, Catherine Macon. Welcome to the show, my dear. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, mate, thank you so, so much for coming by. Not only once, but twice, because (laughs) you went to the wrong military parade. Thanks so much, Internet and Google Maps or whatever you were using. Or Apple Maps, yeah. It took me to the wrong suburb, totally. Unbelievable. But it it was like, this is is North Bondi. I'm like, that's... Definitely not North yeah. Bondi, but anyway, I was like, whatever, I'm down. Yeah, totes. Yeah, you were like, Lies. yeah, go with the flow. You know what's going on. I was woken up by a car crash this morning. Really? Two cars outside our house crashed and knocked my motorcycle over. I was oh like, my God. great. So we've all been through the mill. Good oh, lord. Sheesh. But we have survived. Is your bike okay? okay? Well, sorry, actually, are the people okay? The people. Yeah, sorry, they're fine. Priorities and no, stuff. They're all good. They're all good. Uh, but yeah, but thank you so much, mate, for sparing the time. It's no, so no, lovely no, to right. see your face again. It's so good to see you. So though. good. So. The Stars Alliance is going to be so many dad puns. Stop it, Sam. That we <laughs> met for the first time when you came in to Yahoo to talk about your incredible artwork and your yeah. journey in general. And yeah, just hit it off. I'm, I was inspired by you. Been following you ever since in your oh, work. Thank you. And you were here in the, just happened to be in Sydney. I was I thought of you when I saw what was his name, Curtis Morgan's work. Yes. He's uh, amazing. Yeah, just filmmaker and photographer and linked you I was like maybe this was your artwork and I was like oh actually are you in town and boom here you are oh my goodness that's so funny yeah yeah I, I love and you Curtis. said you were thinking you said you were like you were just thinking about me that day as well yeah do you know it's so strange yeah. I was literally holding your business card thinking what? like I actually need to contact Sam like, yeah. I really need to do it and then like 24 hours later you'd messaged me and I was like whoa, whoa. <laughs> It was weird. I, I remember I picked it up and was like, oh, yeah, I really need to contact him. Yeah. I was like, I hope it's not been too long and it's like weird and he's forgotten about me. No, <laughs> mate, not at all, my friend. Not at all. So for the, for those who don't know the format of the show, including yourself, I presume. So basically, this is a very relaxed chat format where I just sit down with epic people like yourself and talk about your epic career and life today and anything that interests us along the way. Amazing. So should we tuck into it? Oh, hell yes. All right. So. Born and raised where? In the UK. Oh, okay. Whereabouts? So in a place called Stoke-on-Trent. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the pottery, like like this 
It's where all the potteries are in the UK. They call them plate turners, actually. Oh, wow. So if you go to dinner with anyone from Stoke, they, like, pick up their plates and look where they're like, oh, God, this is made from China. Really? Yeah. And they, no way. So, yeah. So, like, all Wedgwood wow. and Dalton and stuff. It's Fascinating. Like, so yeah. I hail from Poole myself, and oh. I know Poole pottery. Yeah. I have fond memories of a child of you You paid, like, whatever it was, 50p or something, and you got to throw wooden balls at, like, all the old <laughs> plates that didn't yeah, make it. Yeah, So much fun. Oh and I've goodness. always, because of that, I had dreams of going into a pottery shop with a baseball but <laughs> kind of like therapy and Do full you, circle i've actually filmed a place somewhere around here can't remember what it's called something like the wrecking room where yes. people pay and just go in and deck oh shit my god. i actually want to do that so bad 100 percent. oh, oh my god. god i mean it's a sad indictment on where we are today that you can buy you know like an old pc screen you can imagine an office worker just being like ah! and just going i took this last and she was very uh, in the office she's very quiet very yeah. cool calm like headphones on she went nuts. Oh, my God. Absolutely nuts. She was <laughs> cussing people out. She was just breaking screens. So I feel yeah. like that should be like a standard part of the like an interview process like, for anything. 100%. You like get to know someone. Yeah. And, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shit Let's have a couple of drinks and then we'll go to the wrecking room and I'll keep an eye on you. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, I'm just so chilled. You know, just, just no problems under the surface. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, issues. <laughs> issues. Don't we all? Oh. Don't we all? So Stoke-on-Trent, you're a pot snob from the beginning yeah yeah so totally uh parents anything to do with that kind of world or is it just you had an appreciation for it at the time no well my my parents are my my dad's a mechanic and okay. my mum like and my dad now run like a sh- or used to run they're retired now run a shop mm. for old ladies so if you were going in there and you were 60 you were buying for your mum that's like that kind of like super old what kind yeah. of shop like clothes clothes what? yeah yeah so and your dad ran that with you yeah my dad was like an outfitter so he did you know, yeah. So it was really interesting. That's fascinating. So yeah, that was part of our like. We lived on a high street, and then, you know, my bedroom was like above the like. It was a massive house actually, mm, mm. but obviously it was mainly consumed by, a, a, like a commercial property, right? Interesting. So, wow. So it was always like a buzz of activity. Going yeah, on but it's also like because I was away from most kids, I wasn't on a standard street, you know. Mm, so I mm. spent a lot of time like hanging around with my brother, and like he used to, we used to play video games. Like that was our main thing, mm. but. It was really sweet. Like, I was too young because he's eight years older than me. So I was too young to really compete. I mean, we did, I played a lot of like first person shooters and we used to like, yeah, yeah, yeah. In Duke Nukem, we used to like make our own little maps and like, it was amazing. I just, I think even now I'm like, it's it's totally the wrong age group for me when I was playing it, but whatever. It was fun. And, um, yeah, and but like if he would play a game, I'd watch him, but then he'd give me like one key to play, press. And it'd be like the health key or something. And then sure. if he died, he would blame me. And I'd be like, <laughs> I'd be like, what? What? He's like, you did press the health key. And I'm like, what? I'm like, this getting really stressed yeah, out. Right. Give me a break, man. I'm giving it all she's got. <laughs> help, help, help. So yeah, and that was and that was my childhood, like growing up, and we did everything together. So we would like I ended up like doing a lot. He was really into like three D graphics and mm. computer game stuff and then yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful story, actually, because when he was little, he had this... Back in the day when we had magazines, do you remember that? Mm. Yeah, the old times, good stuff. So, and we had this... Actually, I remember an old magazine. It was like a computer mag, and it was like, the 386, will we get any faster? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, my... No, that was, no, That was literally it. the title. Oh, my God. Love it. And uh, he saw this mag- computer magazine, and there was a picture of a vase inside it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he... And underneath it had the inscription that it was 3D generated. Wow. And he was like, wow, this is incredible. That like, kind of lit the how, fire for him, yeah. Yeah, he was like, how is this even a thing? Because it looks real. And he literally spent, he, he's like, we had this conversation recently. Mm. 
like I was, I was like, where did it all start? And he was like, told me this story and it was beautiful. Like, so this one picture of a vase, right? Mm. And he spent 20 years. So first he learned how to use 3D modeling programs. Mm -hmm. Then he, that wasn't enough. He had to learn how shaders work. So it did like, learn how to like make shaders which is the that the, like rendering and that's making like, yeah. an object look so that's, like an object kind so of you thing, build right? something in 3d but then you have to like add properties to the surfaces so yeah. like reflective properties or exactly whatever so that. you're building the yeah. shape so the shader is what gives everything its color and, and dynamics of yeah. actual yeah, yeah, yeah. and then then that wasn't enough he had to learn how to code and then he learned how to like honestly and he's now making vr like virtual reality medical simulations that help Whoa. doctors and will save so in hospitals, when they're training doctors, right? Mm -hmm. Normally you have to make like, um, uh, to make sure people are, are like fit for practice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also to get them into the skill set, they have these like scenarios. So they will literally hire a room out, they'll hire method actors, they'll like, you know, put the whole flake blood on and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they'll run these simulations and they'll have someone there that's like an examiner or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they'll run through it just to check that they're doing step by step because in the heat of the moment, it's one thing oh, yeah, on a yeah. textbook, right? Different yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in, so, but to put one of those on, it's like, we're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. This is so expensive. Yeah. So now, like, he just, you can literally just put on a VR, VR headset on. Wow, And yeah. then you can just do it. And like, he's working with um, John Hopkins University. And, no way. Yeah, like crazy there. shit. So like, that one picture of ours has potentially saved hundreds of thousands of lives. Isn't that incredible? And they run it, like, and it, they're going to all these symposiums and like shows and stuff. Mm, mm. And, um, and it's amazing because like a lot, lot of the doctors like VR, like whatever. And then they get in there and they're like, holy moly, this is going to change is everything. Because like, totally. yeah. you can you can run it from home and you can do it over yeah. and over and over until you've like, and you Nailed can do any it, yeah. surgery scenario or anything like that. At no extra cost of life right. or material, yeah. Totally. Just need a headset. Wow. Crazy. So That's epic. And I, like I, and that's so important because I really believe in the importance of an image and how it can inspire people. And I think that's part of the reason why I find art so important. Because mm. I know a lot of people think like, oh, you know, it's it's kind of a meaningless, in, in the sense that it's not fundamental to human life. It's not like oxygen, water, whatever, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, like, fine. It's not, yeah, one of... It's not essential, essential. But actually, I feel like it's so important to be inspired in life. Usually. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and and like hopefully, you know, my artwork can have that same effect, like that one vase. I mean, the person that made that vase probably didn't realize that totally that would end up, you know, helping so many people. Yeah. Like you don't you don't know the impact of what you're doing. Right. Oh, that's fucking epic. So yeah. that would be well, that clearly is his fork in the road moment. And this yeah. is like perfect. So like what inspired you? Obviously, I've got we when we met, we were chatting about your previous history as a game designer. So obviously yeah. I can see the roots quite plainly there. Yeah. And what was a and you got into that how and for how long etc give us that story i will it's funny because I, I avoided being an artist for so long yeah 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 because yeah. Uh, i mean I, i'm naturally creative uh, it's actually a really cute story yeah <laughs> so my me and my brother used to do all like, everything together and we got I remember watching terminator together and i was like way too young he's like you know whatever yeah and um he showed me how to shade right and like from like perfect gradients and, uh, What's this with pencil paper? Pencil, with yeah, pencil yeah. and paper, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, in the UK, obviously, when you're playing in the schoolyard, and if it rains, they make you play inside, right? Yeah. Which is a lot, like a lot of the time, right? <laughs> yes, it's crazy, shitty weather. And um, I had decided that I was going to draw a robot. It was like this mechanized human, and he was like holding a man's seven man's head 
in his hand, like wow. dripping noise. Like, it's far like, out. Yeah, super yeah. gruesome. And the I, teachers are like, Ooh. I was like, I don't know, I'm probably like six or seven, seven maybe. Like so young. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it's funny as heck actually. And I obviously I'd shaded it in. It was all nice. And then I just scrunched it up and threw it in the bin. So, you know, whatever. Sure. And then like I got called into the office. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to get my ass handed to me. I was like, I'm going to get so told off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and then they called me into the office and was like, did you do this? And I was like, oh, yes. Like the classic looking at the floor, oh. twiddling your foot kind of thing. Yeah. And they were like, it's really amazing. The shading is great. No and I was way. like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And I, I I literally had a double, I had like a, whoa. Yeah, it's yeah, <laughs> a picture of a picture of a robot holding a severed head, and you're just going, "Oh, this this artwork is incredible," and um, that was the moment where I was like, "Wow!" I had such this like my I like my pride swelled up so much. I was like, "Whoa!" People appreciate this stuff, so even cool. though it was like random as heck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and I think that was really the start of me loving uh, producing artwork. So cool. And how old were you then? Sorry, that was like school. six or seven, man. Wow, epic. And that's and that's so like. A teacher at that age can be so poignant and so Impactful. they can push you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right way or wrong way. You know, if if that was the other way, if that was how you had worried it would be, like you got slammed for it and all of God, that, that could have shut that door. You never know, yeah. do you? So that kind of positive reinforcement at that age is epic. That's so cool. Yeah. So so where did you take that new that new buoyance, that new self confidence? Well, I just produced a lot of artwork, but mm. I think my problem was that also whilst all this was going on, I was given that repeated like repeated message of like you know artists' failures, their star. I mean, that's a big totally, problem for me. Totally. I, I like yeah. food, man. Yeah, <laughs> as do we all, mate. As do we all, yeah. I think um, there's a great K- TED Talk by Sir Ken Robinson. Um, oh, yeah. And he's like how we're educated out of creativity. Oh, oh God, yeah, it's you amazing. You must have seen that one. Yes. You're, you're, the, oh, you're the queen of uh, telling me about TED Talks, amazing TED Talks. I love TED Talks. Yeah, totes. And, he, yeah, and he's saying like, you know, people, he, he studied kids from a young age and they draw faces and then each year they're told, no, no, the nose isn't there and this and that. And then, you know, it becomes more lifelike. But it's... Yeah, like people aren't thinking outside of the box as much. So. That's so interesting. It's so true as well. Yeah, so I, was, I, mean, I can understand, right? You tell kids that, you know, because you don't want them to die, right? They, especially like parents. Exactly. It's, they, a, it's a fine line to tread, right? Tempering between chase your dreams and chase your dreams, but make sure you got, you know, basics to yeah. survive kind of thing. Well, like, you know, we spent, spent, however many years making sure you don't die like make sure you don't die in your future right yeah and they don't you know parents and tutors and guardians they don't want you to be disappointed as well mm, mm. but you know i think that's also an important part of life's journey right usually yeah and um so i avoided being an artist so I, when i got to college so the bit after high school so 17 18 i studied like maths physics further maths mm-hmm. graphic design and fine art oh wow so like quite an interesting mix then like, so yeah i'd like do some real hardcore maths mm. and then i'd go and finger paint just to like <laughs> just to chill the fuck, chill out. The fuck out yeah and it's funny because i thought well i'm not going to make any money as an artist so i ended up going into university as an engineer Wow. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I studied mechanical engineering. Oh, nice. Did you finish your course? No, no. Oh, respect. <laughs> got I did, out. It, I I got did out. a year of MechEng and then I, and then no! I got out. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No. Where no. did you do it? Uh, Southampton. No way. Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. I, I did mine in Loughborough. Oh, nice. <laughs> I went to the Loughborough Open Day. Look cool. Looked did cool. you? Yeah, Shit. yeah. Sports teams. Oh, man. Yeah, I had to do a sport. So I chose to do gliding. I did like. Gliding? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, like. 
the the fiberglass plane type yeah, things. Yeah, yeah. With yeah. you on it or like the small Inside. Ones? Yeah, yeah it's like a normal plane, but just without the engine. Yeah, yeah and then yeah, you yeah, just yeah. circle under clouds. To, it's really good fun. Yeah, epic. But um, epic. I kind of sport because it doesn't involve running around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. As long as you're chilling. <laughs> yeah, it was really, Loughborough is an interesting place because all it was was engineering and jocks, like mm. just sports people and engineering and like. I mean, that was all good. I mean, the party scene was insane, and that's yeah. actually where I started to learn to DJ. Sick. I wanted now to we pa- come on to it, yeah. I used to go to so many of my lectures drunk. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's surprising I managed to get through any of the years, which Karate. I did. Oh, <laughs> mate, good on you. Because I remember, yeah, I remember it being very, it was like just outside, of, uh, well, say just outside, but outside of London, it, it was a bubble, right? In, yeah. In the countryside. And that kind of university is where you have Beanox with this, this phenomena of big names on campus. Like you say, it feeds into that jock yeah. kind of vibe. But the house party scene and stuff like that must have been awesome. It was incredible because the whole the whole city was literally just the university. There yeah, was nothing class. else there. That's class. So everything, every club, everything, like it was mad. Mate, talk mm. to me about DJing then. Come on. So I, I actually um, got into it because I, I think I'm trying to think of exactly how it worked out. But the are you musical? The, Do you play an instrument at all? Yeah, I used to play the piano all oh, the time. Oh well, okay. Never like trained or anything, but just used to yeah, yeah, mess around yeah. and like I've been engineering music since I was like 13. Like Epic. yeah, cool. so on the first version of Fruity Loops, before you could even like pitch change, I used to take it into Windows Sound Recorder and change the pitch of things to like oh, make wow. tracks. Yeah, that's and, epic. So you're always tinkering then. So yeah, you have that inclination. Yeah. Yeah, like actually, I remember one of the first tracks I ever wrote. I didn't have any full samples and I didn't have access to the internet because it wasn't available. Like mm. I know, God, that makes me feel so old. <laughs> oh, how messed up is that, man? Remember Shh. when the internet like wasn't a thing? We had to like roll this cable up the stairs to plug <laughs> it in with a phone Get line. That sweet ethernet oh, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, it's so bad. Before wireless. Yeah. Shit. And uh, so, but it was back when video games had um, sound samples on them. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I made a whole track out of um, Half-Life gun sounds. No way. <laughs> it was like a breakbeat drum and bass track with just that made with guns. Is fucking awesome. <laughs> that is so cool. It's so funny. I've still got all the music. I've still got Serious? all the tracks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, I've... please share share that oh, with me. God. Please. We it's... definitely need to hear that. That's right, something it's... that needs to be in the public domain it's ASAP. It's funny. It's so funny. Yeah. Mate, oh, Half-Life A is a great game. It's and great B, game. I can't remember the gun sounds especially, but a, a breakbeat track from any kind of gunshot <laughs> beat is sick. That is awesome. It's just the funniest. So yeah. yeah. So and then I, um, the guy that was next to me in my halls, yeah. this beautiful uh, German gay guy yeah, called yeah. Mickey, and the guy that ran the students' union just loved him. Yeah. But he was trying to get him. <laughs> oh. Right. So then he was like invited me to come for a DJ lesson to try and drag my no friend. No way, really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we had like maybe we we played on the decks maybe two three times. Yeah. And then they actually asked me to play in a club. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. So and it was just like cheesy crap music, it wasn't yeah, like yeah, yeah. It, it was more like start stop stuff. But sure. but still like trial by fire. You're like, yeah. oh yeah, yeah. This yeah, is play. This is stuff. right. Uh, got a club booking next Friday. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> yeah. So like I think I I'd, I'd I'd only been using decks for like two weeks before I had my first gig. So good. What a great conversion rate, mate. That is awesome. That is awesome. And then I never had my own decks, so mm. I literally learn on the dance floor, and I find it very hard to play when there's no there's in a crowd. There. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, I just obviously honed my skills and got harder and harder. So moved into, like, house music and R&B and then, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. moved into, like, hard dance, hard trance, then played at, like, Defcon and Whoa. Hardstyle and then was resident at Massive Saturdays here in, in, in Sydney. And so it was a, a 
like the it's like the Southern Hemisphere's biggest Hasdale club. Wow. Yeah, and then um, and then I moved on to like Psytrance, and then now I play like bush, like underground, a lot of bush underground bush dust. Oh mate, you're and just like... the fucking coolest onion I've ever met. <laughs> Every layer I peel back is just cooler and cooler. That's so sick. Yeah, and like just my little spiritual hippie family, and then yeah, um, yeah and then I play over like around the world as well, like. Fuck. Yeah, I just I just have a good time. Huh? That's what's the whole point, right? Totally. That's yeah. why we're all here. That's yeah. so cool. How's your hearing? Like, my hearing is pretty, fine. Pretty hectic. So, and actually, it was one of the the very first thing that my my men like my DJ tutor, the guy that was trying to fuck my Get yourself some roommate, de- defenders. Um, was was that your hearing is the most important thing, mm, and mm. that he knows, you know. And I even now I know so many deaf DJs. Yeah, totally. Like the habit is is that you're obviously so when you're DJing, mm. you're trying to balance what you hear in your headphones to the outer booth monitor. And what happens is people will can't hear, so they turn up the headphones, mm-hmm. and then like so that and they'll play this thing where they'll turn up the booth monitor, turn, but actually you need to start turning them down. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, it's just natural habit to turn things up to try and hear better, but actually you need to turn things the outside noise down or play things directly through your headphones or whatever. But mm. the point is, is that you just got to look after that stuff. So I, mm. whenever I go to a gig, I'm always wearing earpod, yeah. like earbuds. Yeah, 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 yeah always yeah. essentials. Yeah. I mean, I got some fancy ones crafted, but like oh, I, yeah. I lost them, like oh. everyone does. Yeah. You're not a DJ unless you've got like four of those that you've lost. Totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 totally, totally. The closest I've got at the moment is surf is for the surf, exactly the same. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, for the water because I keep getting ear infections. Not oh, cool. damn. Damn, son. That's not good. Nah, that's all good. But mate, that is awesome. That's so cool. And you say you're about to go to the states. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm flying on. I'm flying to the states on in like five days to mm. go to. Why? I thought you were going to say five hours the way you check your watch. Five like, hours. Yeah, so uh, I was, I'm hurry this shit along. I'm looking, <laughs> looking at what the time is. <laughs> so actually, yeah. And actually, technically in three days, I'm going to fly to Hawaii. So cool. Um, but then I'm flying back for, I'm there to like, for like the rest of the month and I'm fly, like staying here for two weeks and mm. then I'm back to California and I'm going to be playing in California. <sighs> so yeah, like uh, the weekend before uh, Halloween. I'm so excited, mate! Yeah, oh my god! We're taking god. over um, a craft theme, like a science-themed craft brewery. Like taking what? over the whole place. Yeah, that's class. Yeah. So you're like a triple, quadruple, centuple threat. So you can come <laughs> in. You got your artwork. You obviously do some speaking. There's like very bubbly personality, <laughs> and then you get behind the decks, and you got that as well. You've got it all. You got it all. I. It's funny. I. I've never. Um, I, I've always been like this. I've always had like these cool ideas. You know, like. I'm trying to think of who said this, but mm. you, you know when you daydream, right? And you, your, your mind just goes off to that place and you go, oh God, that would be so cool. And it gives you goosebumps and you're like, that's amazing. Mm. Those daydreams aren't there to ter- like they're not there to torture you. They're there for, to inspire you to do something. Mm. So like next time, anyone that's listening as well, like next time you get those daydreams, you're like, oh God, that'd be so cool. Like go and do it. <laughs> like yes. make it happen. Yes. And like, that's what I've always done. I've been like, I've been driven by like, oh, that would be an amazing experience. Let's just go and do it. Like I don't, some I don't try to overthink things. I'm just like, just mm. do it, man. Unreal. Yeah. Oh, mate. Well, you've got so many pearls that I want to squeeze out of you before we're done. <laughs> so we're going to rattle through this. So childhood inspired by your brother and your early work to get into game design. Yeah. Then at what age were you when you moved over here? And then tell us quickly about your progression in the game design industry. Yeah. So I moved to Australia in 2011 and I, 
I'd spent a decade in the games industry. I'd gone from being a, uh, a special effects. So I left university early. Yeah, I was going to say, so you did a couple of years, MechEng? Yeah, I did a couple of years and didn't finish. Yeah. And then because I'd got a summer job in a games company and mm-hmm. they were basically like, don't go back. And wow. I was like... I was like, you know what? I'm in university to get a good job. Yeah. This is a good job. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. At least that's how I like rationed it. Oh, mate. Okay. Of course. <laughs> I was of like, course. my first day at the Mech Eng, they were like, so uh, so the physics is maths, the maths is maths, the um, dynamics is maths, the thermofluid. Basically, you're doing a maths degree. And I was like, oh, fuck my life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, yeah. So uh, I left early to do that and, and went from, and it's funny because I refuse to call myself an, an artist, right? Mm. I'd call myself a technical creative. Interesting. Because so interesting. I was, had such a negative commentation of artists because I had the thought, like, as a child, my parents would always tell me, you know, would tell me about, like, not borrowing money and how bad it was. Mm. And, you know, mm. and I, I I, at an early age, I decided that I had to be self-sufficient. I couldn't be a sponge, mm. so mm. I was like, I didn't mm. want to be. It's so- drilled into you, yeah. yeah. I, I agree. I went, I went to a, an all boys grammar school, so yeah. like entry, entry test, but then it's free and fantastic education. Wouldn't change it. Like had amazing friends, but sadly, subconsciously or very consciously, overtly, it's drilled into you: academia, academia, academia. If you're not mm. doing it, quote unquote, a real degree, and of course you are doing a degree. You're going to <laughs> yeah. university. You know, I was like the minutia of people that had a, a year off before yes. everyone just went straight to uni and you have to be doing yeah you know a hard science or an economics or you know something, yeah, something solid thing, yeah. yeah and like and sadly like i hate to admit it but we looked down our nose at people that did arts like mm. when, when we were mech eng it was like arts ha, ha. yeah and really <laughs> and all that was was like <laughs> so true it was it was basically it was a facade because we were envious really we were like it it came out as like an insult but what it really was is look at those people doing what they want like, yeah you know what <laughs> how i mean dare they totally have fun yeah it's and it's a yeah. real shame so i think there's it's just uh that's funny oh, it's, it's, so yeah, true. It's, a, it's a balance to get isn't it like you it's say totally like, totally so so you so you made that decision. You got this job, and you were a technical technical artist, technical te- creative. Actually, I call myself mm. some absolute load of crap. Yeah. But anyway, so I was doing special effects, and mm-hmm. this was actually a job that my brother got because he was then in the games industry. No way. So like he introduced me, and then it's he funny. was at the same company. Yeah, yeah. Sick. What was that like working with your bro all it's those amazing. years down the line? We've been working together like almost nonstop. Even when I moved to Australia, I hired his company to do the work. So I was re- cool. I was a project leader at, yep. and a, an executive producer at a company here, mm-hmm. and I hired his company because he was a, a chief technical officer by that point of his company. So he was like a CTO. So, cool. so I hired him. So like we've always worked together. It's so nepotism cool. at its best, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Why not keep them close? <laughs> yeah, if you get on well with them, why not? Well, man, I know he's good at what he does. So exactly that. Um, yeah, that doesn't hurt a heart either, does it? No. So then we we did all, we did all that stuff together and. Um, but I, it just it killed me, man. I was running. We were we had six different satellite studios. So one would do sound, one would do you know the code, um, ours we would do the art. We'd had mm. all these different places going on all in one go. Mm. And I, you know, towards the end, what happens with games is that we have this thing period called crunch, mm. which is like where everything's on fire. You've had to book all your advertising, marketing, and and you know and you know magazines mm. and stuff. Mm. So you just you got hard to, deadlines coming yeah, up, yeah. left, right, and center. You have to book these things like yeah. six months in advance, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you try your best to make sure everything's ready. Mm-hmm. But then you know there's like you know an OS operating system change, update. 
new driver update or whatever and everything breaks yeah. and then all of a sudden you're like playing catch up and everything's on fire and nothing's working mm-hmm. and like someone was sick or like some code is broken or you know something you thought would be okay does isn't and then you're working around the clock and we were doing like 16 hour days Jeez. at some point yeah. seven days a week oh. for three months for three months for three months Jeez, louise well, not every day was uh, 16 hours sometimes we would just work 12 just 12 yeah, <laughs> yeah. treat yourself you know <laughs> treat yourself have a lion have have that six hours sleep you've been dreaming of. Oh, God. <laughs> so you know i would literally go home get in bed get up and then leave yeah. so I was consciously awake for maybe 15 minutes every day in ho- at home and that was literally the 10 minutes I got home to have a shower and sometimes I didn't have time for that Jeez, and then just the, the 5 minutes when I got up to get dressed and leave Like, yeah. so I was almost never at home Jesus. it was crazy and like Lord knows when you're working that hard you're not having time to enjoy even the simple things like uh, you know food or drink no, you know, no, that's like just fuel you're just shoving that in yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, and, yeah. and some days you know I'd sleep under the desk and shit like that and Jesus I didn't Christ. even have time to go and um, what kind of games was this, by the way? So that was uh, Warhammer 40k. Wow! So any of you gamers out there that were playing that, this has been made on blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, Catherine and the gang. So you have respect to be the, that. You have to be the right kind of nerd to know what that is. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure there'll be some out there. I'm sure there'll be some out there. <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah. yeah. Um, T right. So and it's funny because actually the first game I ever worked on was Warhammer. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. When I was like, I did a, you know, the, um, you know, when you do like work experience mm. as like a. 15, 16 no, year old. No, what? So 10, 15 so, years down the track, you, yeah. end up, you were in making it. Yeah, so the first game I ever did was like 3D graphics on a Warhammer game. And what? then the last game I ever did was a 40, Warhammer 40K game. That's yeah. class. It's crazy. Yeah. So it's full circle. And then I, like, we'd finished it. And we'd actually won um, uh, Best Australian Game 2015 from the IGA like IGN a Black boss. Let me just get that metaphorical <laughs> dust off that shoulder. There it is. <laughs> Pimping. Uh, but, you know, was it really worth it? Sure. Good question. Mm. Uh, well, actually, yeah, because, you know, I mean, that ner- I had a massive nervous breakdown. Like, I could not, c- couldn't function. Like, obviously, not until I launched the game. I mm. had to help, like, had to hold it all in. You used to have masking tape all over your kind oh, of thing. Yeah. God, I was, I was broken. Yeah. I was actually broken. And then I, I left and I had just the biggest nervous breakdown. And then the, fir- the first thing we did was we flew to Peru and went yeah. to sit in a maloca with a load of shamans and yeah. drink ayahuasca. That was, wow. like, the way that we ejected ourselves because they were about to roll into a mobile production and i was like, yeah of course yeah like, yeah they're ready to pile on the next one like great job here's your next fucking huge project yes. that's going to see you underground for another year or something yeah so like we d- I, I completed the steam pc game and i was like i can't do this anymore no so left no. and we went to peru because yeah. my brother charles wanted to go oh really and oh, i didn't well. know what I, didn't, I actually didn't know what it was sure i didn't i'd like i'd never taken any psychedelics before yeah and uh, that was interesting. Yeah. So yeah, and it was like. So describe the experience then. So firstly, very quickly, what is a nervous breakdown for those that don't know? Like, it's it, it's interesting it... because um, they don't come with labels. Mm. So you know, you find yourself like you can't think. You feel very fraught. Like the world feels like it's collapsing around you. Mm. It's this. It's like it's more a feeling as well. It's like you know that zero g feeling, like where your stomach is like sinking. Yeah, when you're in like a roller coaster kind of thing. Yeah, like yeah. it feels like that, but so so intense mm. and like waves of intense motion where you just want to like cry mm. and like everything. Because you know, in my mind, mm. I'd gone into this job because I thought, well, you know, I want to do something creative and I can't do art, right? But I wasn't, because I was actually doing technical art. I wasn't, you know, it was very, very technical. Yeah. It wasn't like being fully creative. It's sure. like the difference between technical drawing, like, you know, and doing a free-flowing portrait, right? Yeah. Um, so I, at that time, I thought, well, I'm not happy here. I'll be happy at the top. Yeah. 
And then I got to the top and then I'm still not happy because all I'm doing is writing emails and sitting in meetings. Mm. And now I'm super stressed. And mm. this breakdown was like, you know, in my mind, I was like, the only thing I can do to be successful as a creative is not serving me and I can't cope. Mm. And like, and like now I was like, I can't go back into this industry because if I go back in any level below where I'm at, I'm overqualified and I can't cope with this one. So I've spent 10 in my head. I was like, I've spent 10 years building a career that I will never use again. Kind of painting yourself into this corner and like you're saying you've got no, well, you've, at the time at least, you feel like you've got nowhere to go from there. So that I can imagine that kind and of builds up. so hectic. So, Jeez. you know, and that was so imp- like, I felt like I was in free fall. Like I just couldn't, I mm. didn't know where to turn. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't know what to do with my life anymore. Yeah. I can't do this anymore. What the heck am I going to do? But um, turn you did. And who did you turn to? And then how did the uh, ayahuasca trip come about? So we went, my brother wanted to go to the ayahuasca trip anyway. Yeah. And I literally went there and I know I'd had a nervous breakdown at this point, but mm-hmm. I was like, had you seen therapy help like traditional no, no. forms? No no, 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 no. But you just knew. The the the, the mother in the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only yeah, one yeah, I saw. yeah, 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 yeah. And um so that was interesting. So I didn't realise how broken I was until after the I because I went in there and I was like, Yeah, you know, my life is very stressful and stuff, but sure. you know, I'll get it back together and you know, you Totally. Well you're highly functioning at that stress level, aren't you? I right. So I've you're kind of that's your new normal, even though you don't realise it that's is. That's so true. Yeah. Actually, I never even thought about that. That's yeah. super true. Yeah. And um, yeah. So then we went to sit in and like the first day. I remember like the we sat in four ceremonies. The first one, I thought I'm gonna die. Like it was just so like weird and like like the world didn't exist and it was just like all these weird visuals and like everything was like met like it was so full on mm. and like i didn't know what the heck was going on and i, I was just like am i dying and i saw like it was really really weird and then the next morning we do this single integration you'll sit around and you ex- talk about the things that you experienced and um the things that you realized during those times because mm. what happens with ayahuasca is it hyper connects the brain so parts of your brain talks to other parts of the brain in the same way that you know synesthesia you know where people see colors or no, sorry when the people taste colors or like mm. when they hear music it it, it creates like different sensations that they're connecting parts of the brain that otherwise wouldn't normally be connected that's right so that happens a lot so Mm. which was wonderful and crazy and a bit overwhelming but so and i i'd sat and i'd heard all these people have these amazing realizations about life and and, you know themselves and 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 like i was like super inspired i was like wow you know i've just wasted this one time just thinking like am i dying of course i'm not dying sure you know it's very 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 rare unless you're like packed full of prescription medication and then you do it which you're not allowed to do anyway yeah right so i um so this next one i was like well i just want to go as deep as possible and then you know i literally had this fully out of body shot up into the universe and it reminded me of a time when i was seven and i was standing outside in my backyard with my dad and my mom and we got these big old 70s binoculars Mm. and they were like super heavy glass and like smelt like old leather you know and looking up at the perseid meteor shower and like remember thinking like how amazing these celestial bodies are like it comes over like shooting stars right Mm. and it just was so inspired and then i was like yeah i I remembered back to the time when i was so fascinated by space and everything like that and i felt so deeply connected to the universe and you know all that stuff Mm, mm. and um i was just like this is incredible like i need to share this with people because like like it was funny because right there at that moment i was like this is my life's purpose like this is what i love and um 
because you know as growing up we used to watch loads of science documentaries I was say, how do you get into that yeah and you know my mum was always really really like like she would sit and we would talk about space and like my first question like the first thing i basically said after mum and dad was tis it i used to point at things and be like what is it what is it what is it oh, as wow. a little kid yeah. and I, I remember i used to ask questions about everything but the biggest question i always used to ask is like why does anything exist mm. And I know that's like a that's real, a real God. Yeah, your real. parents are just like we're just going for a walk. <laughs> for Christ's like, sake, we're not ready to get existential now. I haven't even given you the birds and the bees chat yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it was crazy. I was like, um, it was mad. So I used to sit in my window as a little kid and look out and think like, where did all this matter and energy come from? And I know that some people say the Big Bang, some people say God, whatever that is. Yeah. But why? Yeah. You know, and even then it's like, what came before then? Like, why did that even happen? Because yeah. I feel like logically nothing should really exist. Yeah. Like if you think logically, like nothing should really be here. And yet here we are, you know, the matter that makes of your body, your clothes, whatever you're sitting or standing on, you know, the phone or your car that you're sitting in. What, like, you know what I mean? Like, where did all this stuff come from and why is it here? Because mm. it boggles my mind and I just sat there and thought about it for so long and when I was deep in this ayahuasca trip it took me back to that one question and it like it it was like it was like my passion and soul was ignited again like I was just super curious about the universe and like why anything exists and I found that the way to connect with that question is to really look up at the stars because when you look out you you know when you're we get very caught up in the four walls that we exist in. Usually, yeah. You know, yeah. like we think about like, oh, you know, someone cut me up on the road or like Apple Maps took me to the wrong place, blah, 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 you know, whatever, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. But really, you know, in every single direction, it goes off in infinite amounts. You know, there are billions and trillions of stars and with this tiny speck of dust in this vast galactic ocean. And it's just incredible. And we forget that we, are, you know, we get so wrapped up, we forget that we're part of this, you know, this is cosmic perspective, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Life is mad and wild and cool, man. Epic. And and it's all it's cool as well that you're taking that perspective of it because some people might take the nihilist approach that we're just but a speck nothing yeah. everything's pointless which is really interesting as well like uh, what's made you go for the, the like Whoa! Well, which is totally my idea as well <laughs> that's what it's all about yeah because a lot of people get really scared about the idea of like the totally. infinite universe yeah but here's the thing right there's two parts the part is that yeah we are this tiny speck of dust and we're very insignificant technically speaking yeah. you know we are just so small in, in the cosmic perspective and in it and that should humble us really but equally you know humans at least for what we know and aware of we are the most beautiful intricate creations the universe has ever made we've done all right yeah we are doing like i don't don't get me wrong we've definitely got our flaws oh yeah oh god you know we the amazon's burning you know pl plastic pollution all these other issues yeah but you know humans like if you think about how incredible and how how bananas that you know we we can literally have these conscious experiences mm -hmm. you know that's it's it's insane. It's almost unfathomable to consider that the, you know anyone like us would ever exist. Yeah, yeah and yeah. and also dogs, you know. <laughs> yeah, 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 and no, those, yeah, and dogs, you know, and animals or whatever, you know. Sure. But like, how incredible is it that we even exist? I mean, that's it's it's beyond even thought. And so I balance those two in my mind, mm. you know, because the thing is, life, you know, your life's purpose is to give you, a, you know, is to make. A purpose for your life right mm. you know the truth is that whether you're nihilistic it's just a choice you can choose to experience the good or you can choose to focus on the negative like it is absolutely your choice like 
it's not it's not one way or another and there's no right or wrong like if if people want to be nihilistic and like be really depressed about it mm. good on you if that if that's what makes you happy if being unhappy makes you happy then good for you like you yeah. know and some yeah, people yeah, yeah. some people love it be like sitting in that unhappiness and discomfort and a bit masochistic know. yeah that kind of vibe well for me it's like what people are familiar with do you know what i mean yeah right so sure. but at the end of the day you can you can either choose to go out it's like it's like this i always say like if you imagine right now the yeah. color red yeah and all of a sudden everything that's red is just like popping at you and yeah. you're like whoa how you know, I did, it was there before, but you didn't notice it because we view the world with a filter, right? So you can choose, you know, if you go outside and you want to, you want to focus on good things, you know, you'll, you'll notice the smile on a kid's face so as they true. get, so you know, some yeah. lollies or, you know, you'll smell, you know, you'll smell some nice flowers or you'll hear the, the sound of the ocean or, you know, things that are, are beautiful and amazing. Totally. But if you go out there and you look for bad things, you'll find them too. Exactly so, that. Yeah. You know, it depends. Do you want to, ha- do you want to be happy or do you want to be miserable? Make that choice yourself, right? Yeah. Real talk. Write that one down, listen. There's that's some serious real talk happening there. No, that's legit, man. Yeah, I, I follow loads of people. Uh, one of the guys that comes to mind is like Tony Robbins and mm. uh, Tim Ferriss, people like that. Your mind's like a magnet; it attracts what you're what you're putting out, kind of thing. Whether totally. that be good or bad vibes, etc. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Oh, mate. Well, we are racing through it now. So you come out of this ayahuasca trip from Peru. You come back here to Australia. Yes. And your soul's on fire. You're ready to rumble, but like. You, you've got this <laughs> where the f- do you go from there you know like a million and one people might go through an ayahuasca and be like yeah sick love the universe that's my purpose and then go back to I don't know like whatever they're doing beforehand so you've made a huge shift right well you know I'd obviously left my job I was doing contract work for them yep. remotely um, just helping them through their the transition yeah um but you know and i was actually i'd actually started a business cleaning toilets i was like i was a cleaner man i was scrubbing people's you know i'm just like been there mate like just you know i mean i'm not i'm not proud person like whatever you got to do to do what you got to do right and um so i started that business and and but it wasn't really fulfilling and i remembered a moment because the the retreat i went to was called nimiakaya and it was actually on the artist on an artist's residence um, and he was the guy that ran it was or originally belonged to was like one of the first visionary artists. And there was a moment where we were all doing paintings and um, the there was a girl that was like she called herself an artist. She was a brilliant artist. And everyone was like ooing and ahhing over. Her. And I felt I felt I felt really jealous. Right. And there's a, a, an emotion that I do, don't normally associate with. I was so j- deeply jealous. And then it, it triggered that moment when, you know, I'd drawn that severed head, <laughs> right? <laughs> Crazy, right? And and thinking, you know, I really want, like, that's actually something I want, man. I want to I wanna make art. And, and you know, seeing that reaction from people, I was like, wow, you know, it really, it just connected something. So when I got yeah. back, so this was like November, December time, right? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So it was New Year's resolution time. Yeah. I'd watched an amazing TED talk called Draw Your Future by Patty Dabrowski. I talk about it all the time. Yeah, buddy. Put me uh, onto it. And uh, I drew, was about to draw a picture. And I was like, you know, it would be super cool if I could have an exhibition. That'd be so good. Um, but obviously I'd not drawn or painted for probably like 10 or more years. Mm. More than 10 years, like 13 years or something. I'd not picked up a pencil. I'd not done any, I'd not even doodled. So like I totally divorced myself from doing anything creative, and I thought, well, you know, you should probably calm, 
calm the heck down. I and just learned to paint first, maybe. And then so I started painting. I got like, honestly, I got the, the shittest little setup. I just went to Bunnings. I got like a 97 cent drop sheet and like this crappy easel and like some cheap, cheap canvases, cheap paints and like yeah. house brushes, just oh, whatever nice. I could find lying around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I started painting. And I, the first thing I started painting was space. I just, I started straight away. It's the only thing I've ever created. And like, so obviously that link from Peru, but where does one start painting space you know black right sweet good base layer and then uh dot 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 with white yep sweet cool i'd stand back and be like there you go (laughs) where the fuck do you start getting so good at it like how do you refine these skills is this did you have a teacher was it youtube YouTube, were you just youtube YouTube? and is there a big is there a thriving space art community or are you like picking and choosing from just different artists but using techniques yeah different artists actually the first guy i looked at was bob ross god bless his soul no way big up bob ross Ross. so So much time for that what a haircut as well i love that fella he hated that he hated that fro oh i know it is funny anyway so like loved bob ross and i watched that for a bit and i remember watching it as a little kid actually yeah and uh, i appreciate it so I, i i like i did i looked at that and then that was actually how i got my start and uh yeah and then like draw mix paint is another great one which they're, they're like they're rembrandt style realist paintings uh-huh, uh-huh. but uh yeah look it's funny i recently did a stage talk over in pennsylvania in mm. the u.s like a couple months like two months ago or something mm. and um there was this little girl that was like seven years old and came up to me with her dad and she was like i'm just about to start my first art class what is the advice you would give to me and i said look you need to learn to not berate yourself every time you make a mistake and instead put that energy into learning a lesson that will help you benefit your future, right? So, and you can apply this to anything, but it's so often that what happens is, is we mess up and then we go, God, we we share this, we can't do this, you know, I'm rubbish, I'm I'm useless, you know, like, oh God, I messed up, you know, but actually that, it doesn't even matter. Like it literally doesn't matter. Instead, think, what is the lesson I can learn from this? Ask it relentlessly. What can I learn from this? What can I, you know, what is this teaching me? What didn't I know? What skills or abilities or knowledge will I pick up from this for the next time, right? So I'd, gone about painting with this opinion awesome so awesome. every single so when i look at my and, and i'll be honest my first works were terrible man they mm. were like shocking i should hope so mate if you haven't painted for 15 Ooh, years i would be man. pretty pissed if you were suddenly yes. just like yeah, uh, all over it because people are like oh you've got such a natural skill and i, I didn't uh, no more than anybody else right the totally. only difference is is that every time i painted instead of being like oh god that was a terrible painting of which many of them were mm. but i literally looked at them and be like okay so i learned this mm. my very first painting i still have i've kept so cool right so cool and what i learned from that was like how to create a wet on wet layer at the bottom mm. right mm-hmm. um you know next one you know i learned how to prime the canvas properly the next one i learned you know, all these different things. And I would make sure that, and sometimes like you think, oh, well, I don't don't think there is a lesson in this one. You have to sit and really like think hard and like, what can I learn from this? Mm. And every single painting in my, in my journey is teaching me a lesson that I take on to the next and the next. So, you know, and I'd basically been painting on every Saturday. So two hours on a Saturday Mm -hmm. for for four months. Yeah, that was it. And then what happened is my friends were like, hey, you, can you just like start a bloody Facebook page? Cause we don't want to go through your personal profile and find all these bloody pictures. Sure. And I was like, sure. Yeah. And it, it grew like a couple thousand straight away. So cool. And then after, after and us, the, in this form, sorry, this is pictures of what space. What, yeah, space, of space. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and it, it's interesting. Cause after like six months, everyone was like, 
hey, you should have an you should have an exhibition. And I was like, wow, that's actually so, and, and that's funny because I kind of dreamt that. that yeah, last year. I was like, hey, I was going to write that down. Mm. This is all within like yeah, obviously six months, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? What a great idea. And at this mm. point, I'd left a high-paying executive job. Mm-hmm. I was broke. Because you know, and also I was getting I was getting married at the time. Yeah, yeah, super. No small undergoing. Yeah, yeah. So like I was literally I'd spent all my money on the wedding. I'd got no money, and I thought, well, all I want to do raise four thousand dollars, hire a room in Sydney, fill it with alcohol and space pictures, and we'll all get drunk and we'll talk about space. And yeah. I was like, that is that's that's living the dream. Man. Sounds like a very enjoyable evening. So I decided to start a Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. to pay for it because. And it's funny, if any of those things hadn't happened, if I hadn't had a nervous breakdown, if I hadn't got married, all this, I would not be painting today. Is that crazy? Real talk, mate. Yes, the classic. This is what inspired me to start this podcast. It's Steve Jobs' quote of, it's so easy to connect the dots looking back. Backwards, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's crazy. You just don't realise. Totally. So I'd I'd obviously... So uh, Kickstarter. So you started a campaign for this particular one, did you? Yeah. And for anyone that doesn't know what Kickstarter is, it's basically like a GoFundMe. Crowdfunding in general, yeah. So people... Stump up a bit of money yep. in and return they, for something. And they get something in return. Yeah. Um, and it's set for a certain amount. You you set how long you want it. So mine was 31 days. Mm-hmm. And you set a target. And mine was $4,000. And if you don't hit your target, yep. then it cancels the project. But So you have to hit your target by the end date. Does everyone get their money back? They, get they, don't, they never get charged. Fine. In the first place. Oh, I see. It's kind of like a, a, yeah, it's an, an IOU. Or, yeah, yeah sure. so it's an all or nothing. Sure. Uh, but you can go above the target. Brilliant. And I was physically sick when I looked, because I'd, I'd only sold at that point one painting, I think, for $1,000, and mm. I thought that was a fluke. That's yeah. incredible as well there. Yeah, well, that's an awesome, but like you say, because it's one, you don't yet kind of value yourself or your work yeah. at that point. So well, like you I say, mean, you feel like a bit of a fraud. You say it's a fluke. like Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. And um, it was interesting because like, like, so I was sick. I didn't think anyone would buy because I'd scanned all my artwork mm. and I was selling prints, mm. right? And, mm. you know, you could pick up a print for 25 bucks or as one bigger one for 100 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some, like some original paintings and whatnot. And um, so I thought, well, God, this is like so crazy. And we hit $4,000 yeah. in eight hours. What? And I was like, I had made no contingency for doing more than that. Yeah. I had no idea. And yeah, then yeah. I live in a cul-de-sac, so everyone knows each other in the street. And in the street, everyone was like, oh, I think you're going to end at 20. No, 30, then 40, then 50. And then it was just keep on ticking up and ticking up. And then it, it ended on $70,000. And I had this moment. And I remember I was sitting on my office chair and I le- leant back and was like, I've got a full-time job now. Yeah. Because at this point, I'd spent eight months out of work or scrubbing toilets or doing stuff that, you know, just getting by. Um, But I hadn't, I didn't know what my career was going to be. Yeah. And I thought, you know, and I I mean, I was so lost during that time. I've never felt this, you know, Mm. they say you have to get lost before you can find yourself, right? Mm. Wow. You know, so I was all of a sudden, I was like, this is my job now. Unreal. It's kind of that validation. Like you say, you're like, oh, shit, people enjoy this. People are willing to pay like real money that I can use for food with this. Yeah. This is amazing. Yeah. So that was crazy. So we'd served that campaign and I I thought that was such a fluke, man. So I went and... What did you do with the... So you wanted 4K and you got 70. Yeah. So... So if my mouse correct, you've got a little bit of change. What what did what were you doing yeah, with so that? Did that straight into? So yeah, we we hosted the exhibition. Mm-hmm. It was a massive success. We got um, Catherine Ross, who's a PhD student, to come and talk to us about astrophysics. Wicked. I always have a, like a talk at my on my shows. Yeah, we had loads of food and loads of alcohol. We got hammered. Yeah, it was a great party. Yeah, and then you know, and then obviously the rest of the money was like. Um, 
was you know my like my living money like yeah. so like i think half of it was basically you know for a year i had 35k to live off mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. brilliant fantastic incredible and that gives you time to put more time yeah. into the artwork which wasn't it wasn't a massive amount but it was enough to get by right yeah and then and then obviously I, I thought, well, that's such a fluke. So I ended up waitressing like less than minimum wage at an Indian restaurant. Really? I was stunk of curry every night. And it was funny because like, it's like, I hear. It's interesting you said fluke twice. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just didn't because I was bouncing off my original programming of artists of failure. Totally, right? totally. And, and I was like, this. Still what? in denial almost. Still yeah. that kind of technical creator rather than the artist. That's right. I was like, there is no way that this could be a thing, you know? Mm, mm. Absolutely no way. I can get paid to do exactly what I want and enjoy. Mm, where's the catch? Uh, is, You're like looking yeah, around well, you, I'm like, you? this is not what everyone told me. Everyone told me that it would. this could not happen. So in my mind, I was like, I was like, this is not real. This is not real. There's mm. no way this could be real. Mm. And even then, you know, my partner was like, yeah, you know, you need to get a proper job and mm. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so anyway, I thought, well, I'll host another. So this is 12 months on or actually 13 months on. Mm. And I was like, look, I'm going to host another Kickstarter. We'll just see. But, you know, 70K is like wild. Yeah. So we'll try and aim for 12. I think that was more reasonable, right? Sure. And, uh, and was this for, for another exhibition? This or is, was this so for this a particular one, piece? So or? this one was to ship a painting to SpaceX. Oh, awesome. Nice hoodie, by the way. She's wearing yeah. a SpaceX hoodie right now. This is I can only assume this story went well. Spoiler this, alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this, this hoodie was given to me by um, Brian Weir, who's a, Elon Musk's executive assistant. Class. Yeah, nice. Yeah, a lot of time for that. Yeah, man, it's cool. So, so well, 12K was set. So 12K was set. Yeah. And again, super nervous. Yeah. But we hit 12K in like two hours. Jesus. That's insane, isn't it? And then it ticked up and ticked up and it would just, it went viral. Wow. And it, and I'm, I'm talking like 100,000, 150,000, 200,000. Yeah. And it, it, like, it ended up over a quarter of a million dollars. Wow. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, the highest kickstarted artist of, in Australian history. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Insane. So, and I was just like, I was I was so overwhelmed that I felt numb. I, totally. I, I, well, how can you react to that when you've set set something like that and then you blow it out the water <laughs> over two hundred percent? Like, like it was. I think it was way over two thousand percent. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. By terrible maths. Good lord. <laughs> Until I dropped out of Mechanic. <laughs> That is insane. That is so, so cool. So, so like the idea with this particular project yeah. was, so it's actually a really sweet story. Mm. My brother loves SpaceX and um, he'd gone to the US and they, they wouldn't let him in the factory, right? It's an ITAR protected facility. So there's military grade stuff in there. So, wow. the, so unless you're a US citizen and you have personal recommendation from someone inside the factory, you can't get in. Wow. Right. And I was like, in my little head, I was like, how can I get Charles into the factory, Cruise. right? Yeah. Um, and also, it was New Year's resolution time again. And I thought, well, me writing t I Want to Paint worked out pretty damn good. Yeah, so how's about so I make some higher... Let, let's put a new one in. So my new resolution was to paint really big. Epic. And like... So, and I'd been sitting on this, I'd, I'd ordered this massive canvas and it was four meters by two meters, Belgian linen, massive, Belgian massive canvas. Linen. Yeah, no, I was, yeah, really I was nice. being, being very fancy yeah. at this point. And um, 
and I mean, this is the most insane thing I'd ever painted, you know, going from these small paintings and mm. like, I just, every canvas I've got bigger and bigger so mm -hmm. I could scale mm -hmm. up to do this massive piece. And, um, give us some measurements for this massive piece. What are we talking? Four meters by two meters. <laughs> it's like a wall, man. Wow. Huge. I mean, like just the weight of that for oh, paint and all heavy, the rest of it. Heavy. Jesus. And, um, and then it, it, it occurred to me, I just got this this flash of inspiration, like what if I do this painting for SpaceX and then I can get my brother into the factory? Yes, And I yes, was like, yes. like the plan was hatched yeah. and then the Kickstarter happened. And the idea was that that would fund the transportation of this painting to SpaceX mm. and uh, just like surprise them with it, man. So and cool. It was wild. So yeah, so, you know, and I was like, well, how do I get, I, I was like, I need to, to confirm that they want it first, right? I was going to say, yeah, and if, with this Kickstarter going viral, I don't know how much of a surprise it's going to be. Oh, you know, just the, you know, the highest uh, crowdfunded artist of all Australian time. Just got a little surprise for you. Yeah, I, I yeah, wonder right. what it is. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and I just guessed, so I guessed an email. No, Elon.musk. No, I was, I was emailing. <laughs> At SpaceX.com. E emailing Gwen Shotwell, the COO. Yeah. One below Elon. And, um, yeah, I just guessed the email, man. No way. Yeah, yeah. Love I that. just tried loads of different ones, but it was funny because at this stage I didn't know if she wanted it, so I photoshopped an image of a galaxy on the galaxy that I wanted to paint on it. Yeah. But that is the ballsiest thing because don't That's get me wrong, nice. I'd done paintings before, but yeah. now, and I got the email back saying, "Hey, this is amazing. I can't. Let's figure out where to put it." But then so I was cool. like, "Shit! Now I have to actually paint a photorealistic wow image." And like, I knew how to mix color, but not so, but not perfectly so now i had to mix this exact shade of purple and lay it down in the exact position that matches an actual goddamn photo jeez louise <laughs> so you'd set yourself a pretty tall goal that's pretty uh, intense so how the hell do you go about like taking that on like with a because i'm I haven't painted like that before. I think the closest I did, I did uh, Edward Munch's The Scream oh, a few yeah, weeks yeah, ago in like, like a paint and sip class with my girlfriend. Nice. So, you know, that's my level of painting. So do you draw it first or how does it work? So what I do is uh, you print it. You First, it's the, the print, print out a reference uh -huh. and um, grid it up. And then you grid your canvas up. Yeah. And then the idea is from that printout, what oh, you do is I you see. circle whatever colors. So I would go in and I'd circle patches of color that I want to match and then it would literally be a case of really methodically mm -hmm. sitting there okay so I'm looking at a patch and it's yellow so like mixing like a bit of white bit of yellow and then holding it up next to the actual printout and then being like okay it needs more white in this or actually it needs a tint of blue or it needs a tint of red wow. until it's perfectly matched wow. and then going to the canvas on that location on that grid and then laying it down. How do you make that first touch? Is that not the most terrifying part? Is the old adage of starting is the hardest part? Like when you've got that blank canvas or is it not really because yeah. you know you're gonna paint over it? It's not, it wasn't, you know, it's not even the first stroke. Mm. It's it's deciding to make the first stroke. Like I mm. walked past that canvas for, I don't know, months. Really? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh. Yeah, fair so enough. It was like, it was like, you know, it's this massive, Eight square meters, you're like, yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> it's like, a, just, 200 pound gorilla in the room and it just yeah. like iron me up no, no I used to go back and I used to hug it and I used to be like try to like get really friendly with it because I was like you scare me I'm gonna hug you hug. yeah totally <laughs> yeah That's so, but I'd painted it and my problem was that the paint would dry because after two weeks you know my, all my pa palette paint would dry mm. and it was taking me so long to paint so I thought like oh you know I'll make I'll add it put an additive in to keep you know make it so it doesn't dry so quickly so I can actually paint the whole thing mm -hmm. so I did it and uh, the, the problem is, 
Is it? And I literally, I bought in special. The like, problem. <laughs> one of the many. One problems, of the many. The, the Lartres, you know, I got Lartres in from Poland and I got all these like special oils and like clove oil and made this concoction that would make it remain wet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I painted the whole thing, looked beautiful. Mm. And then six weeks before I was due to fly out, it was still wet. Six weeks? Six weeks before I was due to go. You know, I'd been sitting there for months. That's insane. And so I was like, because we'd already set the date for me to deliver it. So then I was like, huh. And that's just the nature of the materials, obviously. Yeah, well, yeah. I just, I'd added this additive in so that I could paint it. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I could paint it, but no, it's, and I, I was not about to turn up to SpaceX without a painting. Yeah, quite. Well, firstly, huge hats off for painting it, full stop. That's incredible. And then secondly, I'm listening. So then I, yeah. had to, I had to, I didn't have time to order a new canvas. Yeah. Because the wood had to be specially ordered. It mm-hmm. had to be built. It mm-hmm. had to be delivered in a furniture, furniture removal van. Jesus. Like all of these different moving parts. And then I'd have to prime it. The priming takes weeks. Oh my God. So I was like, okay, so obviously I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. So what am I going to do? And I, so I had to wipe it back. I had to get like rags and like automotive thinners and like wipe back the whole painting and took it all off. And no. It, and it was super hectic because that day was like the day that my granddad died. Oh my so, God. So like I was like in tears and like honestly high as high as a kite. Yeah. Like because the, the you know, the fumes the, coming the, off that. The thinners are burning my eyeballs. Like oh. it was so intense. Like and I was wearing a rebreather mask, <laughs> but like not, it didn't cover my eyes and everything like, uh, you know, my eyes are so red and sore, and I was like scrubbing this painting, getting all the paint off, and oh um, because I knew I had to paint it again, but I, this time I had to add an additive to make it dry super quick. Oh my god! Because I'd actually, t- even though it was like six weeks, mm. I was actually having to fly to the UK first, mm. so I literally had maybe four, or, like maybe three or four weeks to do it because I had to had to fly out to the UK for two weeks first. Oh. My God! Wait, I'm looking for my aspirin or something. I'm getting so stressed here in this story. Like you've made it, you've done it, and I got to do it again. And then you've got to get rid of it. Were you not terrified that you wouldn't be able to do it again, or like this is ins- I've done it. Oh I, my God! I just I would- was like, I didn't have time to be scared. Totally. I no just had to for analysis. Just do it. Get I it done. Just had to get it done. Like there was my back was up against the wall, and realistically, I'd been putting off the decision to resort it out. Because I thought maybe, or you know, it's never going to try, and um, oh my yeah. God. So, and the worst part is like some of those because I was so tired, like so you know, because it was so emotional. I didn't notice that some of the rags had dog hair, and so like that painting is full of dog hair. No, <laughs> really, so bad. That's like, great. That's so unique. I love so, that. Yeah, you could be able to DNA date uh, prove that one. That's so cool. <laughs> so funny. That is so cool. What's the name of your dog? Dave. So Dave is in SpaceX. Dave is in SpaceX. Yeah, That's man. pretty cool. And the, the irony is that like, you know, like people without top clearance can't get in, but dog dog hair can get in. Easy, <laughs> easy. Just smuggle it in, <laughs> pop it in a painting, you're too easy. You know what? No one mentioned anything. So I was like, fine, <laughs> fine. Yeah. yeah, you're not going to bring that up. No. Oh, I'll just wipe it off. I'll do it again. It was so easy the first time. <laughs> yeah. So then I painted it and it, I, and it was like being in crunch again. Yeah. So quite. now like I was like, I, I actually laughed as I was painting. I was laughing to myself because like here was me now painting for 16 hours a day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Laughing my ass off thinking like, oh my God. Here we God, are again. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> my poor your life choices. <laughs> if this is not the result of my bad decisions. Like, yeah, quite. Why yeah. do I have to be so damn good and then put hectic deadlines on myself? What is going on here? Well, it wasn't hectic. It's just that, you know, I wasn't expecting it to take. So I yeah. painted another. Well, yeah, you'd got it done in, in good time. Yeah. I, I painted another picture. 
um, with the same thing, and that's only just dried. Really? Now it's like a year on or something. Yeah, two years on. Yeah. Oh wow. So um, crazy. But then, so obviously, and then the day, the day that I had to fly out to the UK, mm-hmm. we unwrapped it and took it off the frame. Yeah. But as it came off the frame, it, it tore. Oh my fucking <laughs> god. god! And I was like, I don't have time to deal with it. Finish me. I just <laughs> finish ro- me. I like roll it up. And like literally rolled it up yeah. and like put it on my door, <clears throat> like wrapped it, stuck it on my doorstep because I take it, took it off the wooden frame, rolled it, yeah, so my door frame, and and it was shipped to be shipped to the framing shop over in the US, uh-huh. and I was like, I just have to patch it up or do whatever the heck. Sure, I literally have to go and catch a plane right now. Yeah, and um, it's funny because I wanted to paint the Tesla Roadster, you know, like SpaceX launched a car into space, right? And yeah. I wanted to paint it in on it, and some part of my gut, I did, I. I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to paint it in now. I'm going to paint it when I get to California, right? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. and see where this is going. Right. And honestly, the the position of the tear was the most perfect positioning. So good. And I painted the car over the top of it. So and you good. can't you can't see it. And I, I point it out and they're like, no way. Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, honestly. Whew. Oh my God. And like, I remember turning up and I like, and it's crazy because I'd had this crazy, I couldn't sleep. Mm. And I had to like fly from the UK now mm. to uh, California. Mm. A mm. crazy flight, land, get in an Uber, mm. get to a U-Haul place, pick up a massive truck. You And you drove it? Yeah. What? Drove on the wrong side of the road. You haven't slept for like a year by this point. <laughs> I was super tired. hadn't slept. Driving on the wrong side in a truck. And the, honestly, the steering wheel had so much play in it. Like you could almost do a full rotation and it wouldn't turn the wheels. Oh it was like, it was, it was sloppy. Like an old boat or something. <laughs> oh yeah. God, it was bad. Yeah. And, it was, and driving in, in California and the traffic is like. It's hectic you, there, isn't you it? Think, you think Sydney's bad, man. You should. You should, yeah. you should see the traffic there, man. Jesus. So, uh, yeah, driving it and, and taking it in, uh, you know, picking it up and taking it over there. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I was a mess. Oh, my God. So you arrive? Yeah, yeah, we did it. We, so we dropped it off and we did the tour and it was amazing. And, and well, was your, we, your brother there as well? My brother my brother met me there. Yeah, we so flew good. There. How was he at that moment? It was amazing. Actually, the, mo- the moment I love the most is, like, when I called him. And I was in Australia yeah. at the time. And I called him and I was like, you'll never guess where we're going. And he was like, what? And I was like, we're going to the SpaceX factory. And he was like, what? And I was explained what I'd done. And yeah. he was like, no way. And I was like, it was the happiest moment of my life. Oh, so that's so good. That pure and utter joy that you yeah. brought your brother there. That's it was, so uh, it makes cool. my heart swell. It was so good. So good. So you got the tour and then uh, like yeah. you've got a piece of artwork in SpaceX. That's cool, man. It's fucking cool. It's amazing, amazing, amazing. And so, you know, and I, then I've done several other paintings as well. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian Cox was an Amy throughout and the, the old yes. Brian Cox. Brian Cox is one of the first guys I painted for. So cool. That's yeah. epic. I've got a bit of Brian Cox artwork myself. Do you? I've got a, a life-size cardboard cutout of oh, him at my it. house. Have you? <laughs> yeah. No, that's amazing. A, I run like this quiz, this like game show night called Blink and You'll Miss It. And, oh, uh, wow. The top prize because I, I like ham it up a bit because I used to do I worked in um, TV back in the UK and yeah. on BBC science shows and stuff and I was like oh Brian owes me a favour you know used to work with him he's over here for Stargazing Lies yeah, and the it. winner gets a dance with him <laughs> oh my god and then I ham it all up and at the very end out comes this cardboard cutout <laughs> and I play the song you know um, by Lil John. shat shat but yeah. obviously we change it to Brian cax 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 everyone know oh mate it's so funny but yeah it's not quite it's not quite your incredible artwork no, for no, Brian no but still <laughs> it's amazing yeah and I 
remember giving it to him and yeah. like, I turned up at the backstage from his tour when he was doing a stage show in, in Sydney yeah. with this and it was all wrapped. And like, I was just expecting just to hand it over. But then everyone had like gathered in this sort of semicircle, like waiting for him to unwrap it. So we'd wow. unwrapped it and he was just like, wow, this is beautiful. And I, we took a little video of it and stuff. It was so special. So it was, cool. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was so good. So, so cool. And was it like meeting one of the stars? He the is star actually stars? the nicest person. Seems like a really nice bloke. Honestly, yeah. like, you know, they say never meet your idols, mm -hmm. but like Brian is like, cool as heck man he's like such a dude yeah well he used to be in a sick band you yeah, know he's like, done it all so yeah he is actually genuine like he's legitimately such a nice human being and like he's super attentive and like he mm. really listens and really cares like mm. I, like that guy's got a heart of gold for sure like so cool i'm all about the brian cox man yeah 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 big up oh mate that's epic so like you've learned copious amounts about painting materials you've taken it to this whole new level got yeah. your work in spacex etc and then you came into yahoo studios when i met you yeah on the cusp of your latest endeavor which was a chandelier yeah yeah so tell us a little bit about this insane operation that you got going on <laughs> for which you've appropriately set a kickstarter of 250 grand which yeah, you made right, in right. 10 minutes no, no, yeah, know. Like, <laughs> well i mean we need to so uh, the material cost alone to produce the chandelier is mm. a quarter of a million wow uh, so chandelier that sounds a bit weird but anyway uh it's a spiral version of the milky way galaxy there you go there okay you go. so it's printed in 3d uh resin so a cross between the segments are tennis ball shaped and cross between an atom and a snowflake that's it yeah i remember and, making the video yeah and you know suspended from thousands of these tiny fiber optic cables mm. and what we're using is real data from the gaia space mission um so that's a european space agency um, satellite mm. and so when you hold your hand out stretch and you put your finger up and you close one eye and then a you change which eye is open and you see mm. your finger move parallaxing to the background so you can see it shifting mm -hmm. but from that shift we can calculate the distance and so what we're doing is we uh, well, when I say we like royal we <laughs> like I'm involved um, what the European Space Agency is doing is it's got a satellite and it, it takes an image of, of the stars and it wings it to the other side of so it's in low earth orbit or mm -hmm. Yeah, so and it's it's then it goes to the other side of the earth, images the stars again, Got you. and then it, it notes it from it, that you can determine the distance. Correct. Yeah. So and then it, it's doing that. So so far it's mapped 1.8 billion star positions. Wow. Yeah. Which sounds like a lot, but actually we realise it's like 400 billion. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, one four hundredth of the stars, but yeah, two four hundred. It's so. a foothold, you know. You know it's a start. It's a good guy. It's a good guy. Yeah. So um, they've got that. And in fact, actually, I, I believe they've just done a new data release with a lot more data. So we'll see. I've not looked at that yet. So the idea is that we're going to take that data and then synthesize the galaxy mm. now a lot of it's going to have to be artist interpretation mm -hmm. um which obviously i'm happy to do mm -hmm. um but the idea is we're going to be using that real data and mm -hmm. i sent a message to the european space agency and like oh i forgot to say like the most important part is that it's going to be eight meters in diameter mm. oh, 26 feet for anybody that is in the u.s metrics mm. like so so massive this huge huge thing and when i was describing this to someone and um they said something really really beautiful and really thoughtful was like you know when you go into a natural history museum and there's always like you know, stegosaurus there's always a big dinosaur in the middle right big dinosaur it's like and honestly it doesn't matter where you whether you're in san diego whether you're in you know london whether you're in sydney it's always yeah. a big bloody dinosaur sure um 
wouldn't it be amazing if you could walk in and it was just like the galaxy? Oh. You know, and you can lie underneath it and just see all the stars and, you know, I mean, it's have it sparkling and Would be and incredible. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely incredible. So, and I was like, wow, that's cool, man. So, my plan is I'm building it and then I'll give it away for free. Wow. So, because, you know, as I said, it's going to cost a quarter of a million dollars, probably two years to build mm. and it's going to be hectic as hell. Yeah. And, um, and then, so I messaged the European Space Agency and was like, hey, this is what I'm doing with your data. Yeah. And they were like, sure. They they were like, we can't fund it. And I was like, I'm going to do the funding. Don't you worry. And they were like, well, we can. And they were like, they were like <laughs> sweet. Yeah, I'm sure. And then they said, well, we'll give you two scientists to work with you on this. Awesome. So now I've got like two guys that I'm, I'm talking to regularly. So cool. Uh, organizing all the data and so stuff. Cool. And they said that they could uh, let me use some of their, they've got a data processing service, um, center in Madrid. Because wow. obviously we're talking about gigaflops of data. Like oh, yeah. Masses, you know, yeah. like I'm only only processing the whole galaxy. Yeah, yeah. You know, Whatever. Just a couple of billion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes. You'd be sweet. Easy. Too easy. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> Whatever. insane. I do that. And I just, I do that for <laughs> breakfast, man. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Cocoa Pops, Galaxy. See, then I'm off. Yeah, yeah. done. <laughs> right. So, uh, yes, that's cool, man. So that's coming up. That's yeah, a little bit more than cool. That's insane. So, how the hell for advice in the business perspective? Like, I've browsed your Kickstarters, yeah, and they're yeah. epic, you know. Yeah, so, what is the key to a good Kickstarter for for those wanting to start one themselves? You've got to produce a product that people want. And I mean, I know that sounds basic as heck. Rudimentary, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but very, very important. People are always asking what's in it for me. You know, and it, the truth is, is that people don't want like shitty, a shitty t-shirt or like something that's like rubbish. Give people a product where, you know, when you're scrolling through Facebook and you see something, you're oh, what? Like, you know, mm. there's like mm-hmm. loads clickbaity ads, but mm-hmm. they're cool. You're like, oh, this looks interesting. You want to make something that people actually need and want and like and will enjoy. Totally. And focus on making the best, highest quality, coolest products you can. Yeah. And the rest will just work itself out, man. Like I've looked at a lot of different courses on like how to kickstart. Mm-hmm. Um and they all forget this. They just none of them talk about how important the product is. Yeah, interesting. So get your product to be and the I if if you post it on your Facebook and you get mo- multiple people going, oh, wow, that's super cool, you're onto something. And if that's not happening, the truth is, it's not good enough. Yeah, truth. Pivot, move on. Yep. Yeah, you know, people have to be like knocking down your door. Yeah, and then that's when you want to start. But you've got this beautiful thing called social media. You can throw ideas out, and if people like start to really respond, then yeah. you know you're onto something, right? Mm. So that's number one. Number two is start fast and start hard. Yeah. So you want to be building up a pre pre campaign is so important. Mm-hmm. So either you know, so tell you know, I would be like, hey guys, in two months I'm going to be launching this campaign. Here's all the information, and I would take people on the journey because, like, before you launch, you have yeah. to like work out your products and all this stuff. And so, as I'm going through that journey, I'm like, "Hey guys, look, we just got these new prints for the Kickstarter. It's coming up soon, you know." And just take people on the journey. And when you say "Hey guys" and all of this, is this on your Facebook page? On or? your personal private one, fine, even. Fine, fine. So to your friends, family, yeah, et friends, family, anyone foolish enough to be in ten feet with you, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah right. Yeah, totally. Anyone that will listen, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then you know, and if you've got a Facebook page, great. I'd definitely recommend doing that before mm-hmm, mm-hmm. building up momentum mm. before you launch so that when people launch they know it's totally right yeah it's not just a drop in the ocean that's not heard kind of thing yeah, yeah you can't just pop it up out of nowhere man it's still not going to work so mm-hmm. and then by that point people will be mentally ready to purchase because mm. they've heard about it a lot mm. and then now it's like and there's a lot of time pressure you know if you don't buy or purchase within the first you know however many days mm-hmm. 
because they don't go on forever. I think the last one I did was 50 days, but normally 30. Yeah. But if you yeah. miss that, that's it. Like I have people messaging me now going like, oh, I missed it. I'm so, you know, and I'm like, dude, I can't do anything when you're out. You didn't exactly. make it. You didn't yeah. make it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so do that, you know, in, in those two things. And, and also like, have fun, like show your personality, be, you know. That's something like, that shines through on yours. Your videos, very down to earth. It's you just yeah. jamming in the studio, having a laugh with your dog as well. Like, they're great, they're great. It's the best. Right? Yeah. So, you know, have a bit of fun, give a, give it a bit of your heart and soul. Yeah. And, um, and I think the last thing is, it's not about making the money, it's about serving people. So think about how you can serve people the best. Mm. And honestly, if you take those three things mm -hmm. and you put them into a mix and produce a great product, you tell people and get people excited in advance and then you know and then you just focus on how you can you serve other people better mm. you will do well like that's truth yeah yeah real talk mate so many gems from you today so yeah. many gems listen up listen news have you got a pen and paper for this one right so down. we're to the stubby end of this podcast now so we've got a couple of roundy off here questions okay but um we i suppose we've touched on it already but like finding purpose in life and work yeah. like how imperative is that to you and what would you have said to yourself when you were on the on the game design train, as it were, like what is, it, is there anything that you would have done differently or? Um, obviously, not. There wouldn't be no anything looking different, like for me, because obviously you have to go on your the journey. Butterfly, you never know, yeah. Right, but what I would say is that there are at some point in life people are getting the itch, you know, the, mm -hmm. the, that feeling like there's something more meant for you. Yeah. And the truth is, there's always, you know, there's always something meant for you, yep. right? And if you've not got it, what I always recommend is look back at the things that you really adored when you were that, you know, from that five to 12 years old, right? Mm. And in there will be something or multiple things that, you know, you were really curious about. And it's about finding that childhood curiosity and going back to that. So it might be that, you know, you loved caring for people and actually, you know, you're destined to look after people, you know, doctors, nurses, whatever. It might be that, you know, you just love, you just love bloody fires and you want to be a fire, you know, or, you know, it might be that, you know, you enjoyed camping in your, you know, or outdoor pursuits and, and that's going to be your life, right? Mm, mm. But the point is, is that, you have no one is going to give you permission exactly that to live your you know to live yeah. an incredible life you have to do it like you know if you want to go out and you know if you have daydreams about winning like an oscar or an emmy no one is going to turn up at your door and give it to you mm. no one mm. Mm. you have to go out and get it mm. and it's like you know don't wait for the perfect moment take the moment to make it perfect right mm. but the point is is that we spend our whole lives being told what to do by parents, by teachers, do this, do that. And then we get to be adults and then we're like, what the heck do we do? We're so used to being told, you know, the truth is you have, you know, be your best. Like imagine that you're your own mentor, your own, you know, parent and parent yourself. You know, if that's what you need, go out and get it. Like no one is going to do it for you. Mm. That's that's the end. Like you can't rely. And I, I mean, I'm not saying this is, is in a really negative way, mm. but you shouldn't have to rely on other people to do these things and fulfill you. You need to figure out what it is for yourself, but you also need to give yourself permission because like I've been very guilty of this. You know, when you see something really cool and you go, oh God, I wish I could do that. Totally. totally. Right. We all, we all have that moment like, oh God, you know, that person's gone to this place. I, you know, like I used to look at like festivals and stuff like that. Glastonbury. Oh God, I'd really love to do that. Oh, not for me, you know. I, why not? 
right why not you know it doesn't you know oh god you know i just saw my friends photos from this amazing location i'd love to go backpacking mm. well, do it like you know i mean you don't like and i think a lot of a lot of us get caught up on this idea that you know you have to do something totally different from everyone else so if you see someone else do something cool you can't follow that it's like that path is blocked like mm. uh-uh. you're yeah. not allowed to copy right mm. bullshit like do if you see something that inspires you just go for it man like mm. just absolutely go for it yeah that's class. That is class, mate. I am feeling juiced. Woo. Absolutely juiced. Some serious inspiration going on here. Yeah. So that is perfectly linked into following your passion. So talk to me about your Instagram tags. So we've talked about your DJing stuff. V8 driver, Scotch, Ultra Nerd and Psychonautics. Yes. I think so let's start with Scotch. I love Scotch. Mm. Um, so uh, how'd you get into that particular brand? On the rocks, not mixed. No. On, on the rocks with a dash of water. Uh, yeah, good. and I so, appreciate that because, see. like, I just I've tried. You, you know, like when you try any alcohol for the first time, <laughs> you're like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and then I we had a, a Christmas. Uh, my my grandparents live in Bristol, and we all traditionally go and stay with them. And I got there, and it was like all the cousins, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And unbeknownst to me, there was too many people in the house. So I couldn't stay there. And they're like, oh, don't worry. You're staying across the road at these people you've never met for Christmas Day. I was yeah. like, all right, cool. And a lovely family. And um, the guy took me in. And we were just up till like three in the morning drinking scotch, chatting. And he was showing me videos of his daughter, who was like a, a presenter on um, uh, BBC or something. He's yeah. like, look, look at this. And I was like, oh, this is great. But we watered it for the first time. Yeah. And for the first time, I could appreciate the flavor in it. Yes. Rather than just like the burn and all of that. And I was like... <laughs> You get want, it now. You I want a little it. bit of the burn, but like just not too much. You have to temper it. Like so, it's not like drown it in water. But yeah, yeah. So uh, I love Lafroy. Uh, uh, so okay. I'm currently drinking Lafroy Ten, but my favourite is Arberg Ogbedai. I Hopefully, I've pronounced it correct. But nice. they're both scotches from Isla, which is a little um, island off Scotland. Yep. Yeah, There's yeah, about yeah. nine distilleries. I hopefully I've got that right. Mm. And they they produce a very smooth, smoky scotch. Ooh. And I, I liked, I actually have only recently got into it, um, you know, when I was in the US, that, you know, my friends drink a lot of it there. Mm-hmm. And I used to be a Jack Daniels fan, and I still like a bit of Jack, but sure. there's, there's, this, uh, there's this beautiful qualities to the flavor of scotch that I just adore. Mm. So yeah, single malt is all the way. Class, yeah. that's nice. And is there a particular, is there a food that you pair it with, or is it literally you're going for a drink and that's what you're doing? Eating is cheating, man. Yeah, real talk. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Too slow. Please. Uh, drink responsibly obviously yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah like i i'm i eat vegan food so whatever's vegan yeah. like, often it's just chips like a bit like nice. <laughs> most of the time you can't find <laughs> like trying to work out like just a bit of grass clippings from outside <laughs> good good and a quick segue what's your death row meal oh mine would be my mum's lasagna just because it's nostalgic wow. and i don't eat uh well i very i very much try not to eat beef and meat anymore so that would be like a big indulgence before i go huh. out what about yourself Man, like that's a difficult one. Like no one's mm. ever asked me that before. Really? Yeah. Oh. Um, you get you're allowed a starter, I an would, entree of sort. Look, I would probably end up with like a burrito, man. Like I, really? love, I love Mexican food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my favorite. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, all right. I mean, the standard kind of layout: guacamole, yeah, frijoles. You got your rice, but just no cheese, no no sour cheese. Cream. Of course, vegan. Yeah, unless yeah, it's yeah. vegan cheese, man, I'll do that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that burrito is probably nice. Love okay. that shit, yeah. Good dessert. Uh oh, god, I'm probably not actually. 
Okay. I'm not, nice. I like, Just take me straight there. I've had my burrito. I'm ready for the journey. Honestly, like... Let's get out of this world. After a burrito, you can't manage anything <laughs> anyway. It's, true. it's like having it these, true. like, food baby. Yeah, <laughs> it is a little... It's a, what does my mate call it? He calls it something like... Like a, a nap, a nap in a br- uh, a nap <laughs> in a wrap. Because <laughs> he's like, once I have that, I'm just done. Yeah. So finished. You have food coma, yeah. Yeah, yeah so totally. true, nap in a wrap. Love it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you've got your scotch, you've got your burrito, you're ready You're ready for the uh, for the chair. But uh, before that, you'll have a different kind of chair, a V8 chair. Yeah. So tell, tell me about that. Um. Yeah, you know, I, my partner got me a V, like I drove his V8. Yep. And um, fell in love with it. Holy moly! Yeah, I didn't understand car people until I got into a V8 and drove it. And like, it was like the. It's like being, and also I think the same about being on a motorbike, right? Yeah, you feel alive. Totally, like it is the most alive you can be. So now, like I always, every every time I go to the US, like I always hire a big like Dodge V8, and we. It's amazing, you know, we'll drive into the desert to the observatories with a boot full of margaritas and we're just like, it's just the best life. <laughs> like, it's the best. That is class. Uh, the, my previous guest on this show from last week, Kate Peck, fantastic yeah. uh, lass who's um, a motorsports presenter here oh, really? in Australia for Channel 10 and she, yeah, she was going on about it. Oh. She would, what was it? I think she'd have a Corvette Stingray, I think was her car that she Beautiful had. cars, yeah. beautiful, yeah. I, w- I would get like, um, I, I, like... A uh, Dodge Challenger or Charger. Um, I would get the um, Hellcat edition. So that's the uh, seven uh, hundred and thirty brake horsepower. Yes. Yeah, Jeez, Louise. I would, that was what I would. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not a vegan on environmental grounds, are you? Uh, so you can earn not. your <laughs> so you can <laughs> earn your V8 <laughs> indulgence. Sheesh. I, I like to drive with the windows down so I can hear the hear the engine roar. Oh, so, I mean, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. That's why you're in it. Right? But also, like you know, the I drove a Tesla. The um the P, uh, I didn't get a P uh, 180D. I got I drove the the S90. Mm-hmm. Holy. So you're getting there. Oh yeah. my god, you have never. I have never experienced acceleration like that. Really? Like. And that wasn't even the top model that I was driving. That Jeez. was like almost the top. Yeah. And it wasn't in ludicrous mode. It was nothing like that. Yeah, it yeah. literally, it is like a slingshot. Like we were like G fours, oh, like, cheeks going like, back. Our heads, our heads were like pinned to the back. So I had like a car full of people, and we were at, at, at traffic lights, and mm-hmm. like there was no one else on the road. It yeah. was very clear, very straight in the US. And I, we all, I like, I looked back at everyone. Yeah. I was like, Hey, do you want to see how this how this goes? And everyone was like, Yeah. <laughs> and see I was how like, far this puppy goes. Man, I just like slammed it and like. It's like, you know, with, you know, a petrol car, there's a delay. Yeah. There is no delay. Jeez. So it is like, bang. Yeah. Instant power. And you're kind of shocked by that, I suppose, because you put your foot in there. Whoa. <laughs> but it's also super stable. Like, you know, you with because there's so much, you know, it's computerization. Yeah. That, that it detects, you know, within, Perfect, bil- like within like billions of a second. Yeah. Always. You know how whether a wheel has got traction or not got yeah, traction, yeah, yeah. and it is controlling it so perfectly. So you get such a straight ride. That's class. Like obviously, you couldn't do that in That's a V8. Class. You'd have there's a lot more driving skills required. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh my god, you honestly, it, it like actually, it makes me like my my whole skin is like currently tingling because it is the <laughs> most intense feeling Jeez. ever. Like wow, I, honestly, I the. Probably Teslas are like the best car I've ever driven. Wow. I swear to God. Like if you've not driven one, you yeah. you have to. And you have to be able to do it so where you can like floor it as well. Yeah, because, of course. Oh yeah. God. <gasps> Honestly, even the biggest petrol head would get in one of those and appreciate the shit out of it, like fully. There you go, petrol heads. The gauntlet has been thrown down. Oh God, you'd love it, man. You heard I, it I mean, first. I love it. Oh yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm definitely keen. Put me on that list. Put yeah. me on that list. Oh mate, well... 
Final questions. I, I always steal from uh, studio, uh, inside the actor's studio, James Lipton, and they go like this. So, what's your favourite word? Love, I oh, think, yeah. Nice. Least favourite word? Oh, I, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe no. Maybe no. Uh, no, I think actually, uh, I don't like the word hate, and I know that's a opposite of what I just said of love but yeah I, I think that it's such an extreme word mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'd rather use dislike yeah real talk but quite it's very final isn't it it's, there, very it's final. like there's no there's no room for like debate there is there yeah so, yeah agreed. a job other than your own that you'd love to try um I would uh like to be a pyrotechnic I would like to do like fireworks that would be cool as heck that would be fucking cool <laughs> a job that you'd hate to do um, I would hate to have to euthanize dogs. Wow! Yeah, very yeah. <laughs> like Fair, I, I, that's pretty like, brutal. Well, yeah. like a lot of vets. Someone's got to do it. Yeah, a lot of vets have to do it all the time, and I think it's probably the most heartbreaking thing ever. Especially mm. if the owners don't want to be in the room, you totally. have to have that final moment with poor dogs. Yeah, yeah no, that cool. would that that would kill me. Yeah. yeah. Well, on a happier note, what is uh, the name of your dog and what kind of dog do you have? Uh, Dave and Izza. And Dave. They, uh, love that. <laughs> Dave a lot of time dog. for calling dogs human names. Dave. Love that. Hey, Dave. Dave. Hey, Dave. It's my oh, dad's name. Is it? <laughs> and it's always the name I use for like anecdotes as well. Like, oh, yeah, and then Dave came along and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Dave and Izza, they're both rock, big Rottweilers. Yeah, 60 kilos. What? Yeah, I'm like 70K. Yeah, like that's insane. Hectic dogs. Man. Oh my god! And they're guarding your paintings at all times. I presume. Yeah, they just they the lap dogs. I've never had a big dog before, so yeah, like he grew up in this like like I used to keep him on my lap as I was using my computer, and yeah. now like he's just still a lap dog. But he's, he's like, still on there, and you're just there like buckling, like <laughs> pinned down. Like, you finally yeah. get up, and you've got this dog shaped like gap in your thigh where he's just <laughs> sunk into you. Oh god, yeah. If you've got any legs left at all, like yeah. Wow, Okay, nice. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, what's your favorite? sound especially being a dj have you oh man like if it's like a I, I like i really like heavy drum kicks yeah oh god yeah like real thumping yeah, yeah. big reverb not really don't mind reverb but like just it's like it's like it's like that sub bass feeling one you know, that shakes the rib cage when yeah, you're at a festival when you feel it in your chest mm. that's great <laughs> yeah nice least favorite sound um, I hate the sound of anyone in pain. Like I, mm. I really dislike. Um, oh, I said the word hate. Ah, ah. that's how strongly that's how you sh- dislike I people just, in pain. Yeah, so I think that's completely fair like enough. Like crying or like people that are really in agony. That yeah. it, like it, I feel it, man. I feel it. Mm. Like I feel other people's pain a lot. Yeah. Mm, yeah, mine is like babies screaming like that. Like really sad. On a long haul flight. Oh, my, <laughs> yeah. That's where you just want to turn around, like put the little bubble on it. I, sp- I spent a lot of time flying. I was like, going to say. A lot of time flying. And, uh, yeah. Next but, question is, what's your, and I've, this is leading, but what's your favorite gadget? Are you, you going to say noise cancelling headphones but because of that or not? Um, Actually, you know what? It's 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 not. It's my favorite gadget. It's actually probably my Apple Watch, man. Oh, really? Yeah, I love it. Interesting. Yeah. See, I'm like... I love technology, but at the same time, I'm like, we're the man. And I've watched like Citizen Four and all of these kind of like docos where it's like, oh, the data, and then they're gonna kill you. Oh god, and yeah. I'm like, I you feel like that's like it's the, the worst. The epitome of it. You're always, you're always on, mate. And I know Even when you turn, you, and he would always be like, why you're talking to him? He'd just like look you, at his watch. He's you like, might so not rude. Really, like even when your phone is turned off, yeah. they can still track you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, understand? Yeah. Like yeah. that's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. how hectic your phone can be off. Yeah, and they can still track you. So, 
Um, we've so, you're, just, so you're like capitulate. They've, it's too far now. Whatever. Jump on. Whatever. What do you? What's the most used app within your phone? Or or oh, your uh, music music apps. Music. So, yeah. So SoundCloud and Spotify. Yeah. For sure. Nice. 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 Because is that how you find new music for sets and stuff like that? Or how do you how do you go about that? Um, I actually do an intense period of music research. Interesting. So I will literally sit up down at at my studio PC yeah. and I have big speakers yeah. and I will sit and I will just listen and listen and I will do that for like five, six hours yeah. to collect the music for my tracks but I don't tend to do that research on the go, yeah. I yeah, sit down fine. So it, that yeah. is a real session kind of thing. Yeah, I do like, That's I take cool. it real serious. Sick. And are you um, CDJs? Are you stick scale? Like do you use USBs oh, or are yeah, you a laptop yeah. and Serato? Uh, yeah. or? I'm a USB sticks. I mean, like I came from we started with vinyl, yeah. went to CDs, now to USBs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's as far as you go. You're not a fan of MIDI controllers or like different software like Tractor Pro, stuff like that. I've just never used it, man, but I would be, yeah. I, I'm not. All I'm horses not, for courses. I'm not. Do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I, I would quite like the idea of, you know, using Tractor and then back onto vinyl, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. I like to get the time code uh, vinyls. I think that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah for sure. Yeah, sick. That's yeah. nice. Yeah, I'm at the I'm at the stage because I started, I suppose, with MIDI controllers and Tractor, and I'm like, oh, do I go CDJ? I, I plug in and use these CDJs and stuff. I love. They are them. great. They oh, are great. Man. But I'm at the stage where I haven't got the music on USBs. I'm I'm so far invested in Spotify because I was at that juncture, and then Spotify came around, and I kind of fell away from DJing uh, for like a few years. In which time, obviously, you build up your Spotify library, which is all not yours and in the cloud and blah, blah, blah. And now I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, do I do I just make the jump and come back? I don't know. But you've you've got it all on a hard drive. Good yeah, to go. yeah. Man, it's just a story, man. If you want to do it, you just do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, she's got me there. She's fucking got me there. She's got me there. All right, fine. And and finally, I've, I've probably missed a couple of the questions, but the one that sticks in my mind to conclude. Yeah. If heaven exists, do you think heaven exists? Firstly, as a uh, side question, definitely. As, as a small side question. Definitely. <laughs> Interesting. Do what would you expect or hope St Peter to say to you on your arrival at the pearly gates? Well, actually, I feel like what we live in right now is heaven. No. Oh. Uh, I don't think it's a separate entity. I feel like our life right now can be heaven or hell, and it is your choice whether you which one you want to make it. Mm. I don't know. That's like deep and heavy. Right? No, no, no. Like like but you say, your mind is oh so powerful, and everything that happens is a fact. Like it happens, and then it's how you choose to interpret that, and right, how you act so, upon it that gives so, it meaning. Yeah, I agree. So if your life isn't currently heaven, mm. why are you allowing it not to be? Mm, why are you living in suffering why are you yeah, yeah like and and the truth is yeah i mean we're all dealt bad hands don't get me wrong like i've been dealt many many terrible things mm-hmm. as has everybody that's listening mm. as if you you know we're all given like these horrible things but you know obviously we choose to then navigate and Eckhart Tolle says you know there's three states to be you can either accept how you are you can either change what's happening or you can move away mm to decide to stay but then to complain about it is absolute like it's madness Mm. so if something's not serving you then either choose to change it or choose to move away Mm. yeah real talk 
That's epic. Wow. That's epic. <laughs> and is there anything else you want to mention at the end? How can people keep in touch or like keep up with what you're up to? What's the what's yeah, your Instagram um, and so, Kickstarter? So uh Catherine Machin, uh so it's spelled C A T H R I N and Machin is like machine without the E. So Brilliant. And Kath- I'm sorry for mispronouncing Machin is making earlier. That's a genius. <laughs> no, it's like just basically it's everything without the E's. There's no E's in my name. Got you. So uh, yeah, Catherine Machin. It's the same on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the same. Mm-hmm. So easy to find me. Apart from well the fact done that there. Good. It's spelt weird because my mom was like, oh, I see. She, she was like we're all dyslexic in my family sure. she was like I'm going to spell it phonetically and I was like now I have to spend my whole life explaining how to spell my goddamn name <laughs> thanks mum but on the flip side you got your original URLs you got that you yeah got all legit. sorted all sorted beautiful yeah, so every cloud yeah and like you know like I basically put out I mean it's just I put up a lot of space stuff obviously and like yep. just trying to inspire people about like we most of us live in cities now we mm-hmm. can't we cannot see the stars they mm. are not available to us there's so much light pollution mm. so um you know I try to fill people's feeds because you know we all feel we often fill our news feeds with things that are like really negative you know a lot of stuff going on in the news yeah. or like agreed you know people that will make you feel bad about yourself because of you know, whatever they're posting, mm, mm. whether it's, you know, you know, following what, like there was a saying, follow more artists instead of models. Right. Cause mm. you know, you want to make yourself feel good. So yeah, I just try and put stuff in that's inspiring and beautiful and just try and brighten up people's lives a little bit, you know? Yeah, mate. Epic. Yeah. And that's a lovely mantra to follow. I think a really nice mantra. So yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show, mate. Thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. It's great. Oh mate. Yeah. hundred percent. We'll talk science and tech. We'll have you on again in the future for sure. Yeah. Exciting times. Right. And uh, enjoy your trip in America thank you very much and guys thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next episode ta-ra there we go guys that concludes this week's episode I hope you enjoyed it and there's something in there for you if there was please don't forget to share with a friend and rate and review on Apple Podcasts finally if you want to catch up or keep up or get involved with her Kickstarters be a part of history then check her out on kickstarter too but thanks so much for listening and i'll catch you in the next week's episode 